Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for refreshed and the D stands for discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Don Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started. Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Ronnie. And I'm Dawn. And today we're having a bonus episode because October has five weeks in the month. So we're doing our Halloween episode. Yes, which Ronnie chose to title, They All Float, which will be giving me (laughs) nightmares for approximately the next three to seven weeks. So thank you for that. Yeah, it was a real missed opportunity when she showed up at my house today not to have a red balloon waiting for her. I'm I'm really mad at myself for not doing that. (laughs) You would have seen that truck going reverse so quick. (laughs) I'm like, yep, I'm gone. Bye. Yeah. Well, I'm really, really excited about this episode. As if you've listened to previous episodes, y'all know that I'm into scary stuff. So this is my wheelhouse, but we are not just talking about scary stuff today because I know there are other people like Dawn out there who need some gentler things at Halloween, but still like something a little spooky or a little mysterious, right, Dawn? Yeah, not all of us are into the super adrenaline, I don't want to sleep until it's Christmas type things. I don't understand you people, but I I accept that y'all exist. (laughs) So we put together our notes for this, Um, you know, before each episode, we do our notes and I emailed Dawn yesterday. I was texting her that I was so excited you guys to put all these notes together. This is like my happy place. So we're going to be doing a lot of talking. It's probably going to be a lot of recommendations. So if you feel like you're listening to this and you can't take notes, we have everything in our show notes, all the links to every book, every movie, every TV show we might mention. So feel free um, to not have to take notes or say, what what book was that? Because we have it all in notes for you, but we're going to go ahead and get started. Just kind of talking, you know, Halloween in general. So Dawn, since you don't like the scary stuff, what's kind of your vibe for Halloween? What do you plan on doing? Well, we're actually going to a party. And in the past, we always hung out, handed out the candy, did the trick-or-treat things with the kids, that kind of thing. They're both old enough now that they can do whatever. So we're going to a grown-up party and actually have costumes, which I will be putting pictures of, little hints of, and then pictures of my husband and I actually have matching costumes. That's cute. I will put on the Facebook page for everyone to see. Awesome. Yeah. I'm not a costume person. Um, I know you're going to be shocked by that, but I, uh, I don't, can't remember the last time I've dressed up. So I'm more of like a stay at home, watch a scary movie person at Halloween. You know, my son was young. We obviously went trick or treating, but he's now almost 14. So he's getting to that age where he still kind of wants to trick or treat, but people would be like, you look like you're 30. Why are you trick or treating? Cause he's six foot tall and looks a lot older than he is. So I don't know what we're doing, but he, he has party plans, I think. Um, but we might just be staying at home. So, okay, you guys, we're going to go into our recommendations and we've divided these up in a couple of different categories. So we're going to start with suspense and then kind of move into paranormal and some more scary stuff. Um, but I figured we'd go easy on Dawn and stop, start with the suspense because she does love a good suspense book. Um, and my first recommendation is no exit by Taylor Adams. So this one is if you like a really tense thriller that almost feels like you're reading a movie um, that you can picture it really well. And you just kind of have that heart pounding, you know, page turnery feel. 
So the setup, and I'm going to do better. You guys, I've listened to our previous episodes and I'm trying to get better at describing books so that you actually know what they're about. <laughs> so I uh, have put some little descriptions in today so I can cue myself and not just tell you it was really great. So um, college student Darby Thorne is on her way to Utah to see her dying mother when a blizzard hits and she's stranded in a remote rest stop with four strangers. There's no phone signal and no way out because is there, there's always no phone signal, right? Our phones are only uh, unreliable in horror movies. Um, and then, so she's in this, you know, rest stop. There's only four other people. It's a small group of people. And she goes out to try to get a signal outside in the storm. And there's a van parked out there and she finds a little girl in a cage in the back of the van. So she knows that there's a kidnapper and that it's one of those four people inside the rest stop. And now she needs to save this little girl, but also not be found out by the kidnapper who she doesn't know which one it is. Um, so it's that kind of trapped closed door feeling, you know, you don't know who to trust. And she has this ticking clock that she has to save this girl, but stranded by a blizzard. Um, so really, really intense. It's great for winter because it's set, you know, in a really cold atmosphere. So you get that kind of wintry feeling and it's a really scary read, but without being like monsters, you know, it's, it's real life monsters. And, uh, I really, I think I probably read this in one day. It's one of those ones that you can't, you know, stop reading. Cause you need to know that the little girl's going to be okay. And that, you know, it's, the person's going to survive. So Dawn, I think you actually would like this one. This is, I think, close enough to your wheelhouse that you wouldn't be too terrified. This one has actually been on my TBR, my to be read list. And I just haven't gotten to it yet, but it sounds, it sounds so creepy and it throws in the blizzard, which adds an extra layer of nope for me. Right. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's one I would be interested in checking out. Yeah. Dawn, what's your, your first suspense recommendation? My first suspense recommendation is uh, Riley Sager. Is that how we say his name? I say Sager, but it could be either way. <laughs> okay. Some of his are, the writing is excellent. His are kind of hit and miss for me as far as I like to let my friend Ronnie read them first and tell me <laughs> if it's something that I should be reading or not. And one of those that you recommended to me was The Last Time I Lied. And it is a dual timeline. It is told um, by a girl who is coming back to a summer camp that she's coming back for some kind of reunion. And the problem is the last time she was at the summer camp, she stayed in this cabin, which is the same cabin they put her in for the reunion. She was there with four other girls and she was the youngest, if I believe. I believe. And the four other girls snuck out in the middle of the night and the last thing she saw was one of the girls like holding her finger over her lips, kind of shushing her as they closed the door. And then those four girls were never seen again. And so it's this dual timeline of what happened then and what happens now. And it very, all these bad things start happening at the reunion, which starts tying everything together. Super, super twisty plot. I was texting you and our other friend of, Oh, this, this is what happened. This is what per, the person who did it. And just for those of you who list, who are listening, you should know they never confirm or deny anything. They just reply with noted. And I'm like, nope, I'm right. And then uh, 50 pages later, I was like, okay, no, this is what happened. And this was when I stayed up and finished it at two o'clock in the morning, has a great twist at the end that I absolutely did not see coming. And it was two o'clock in the morning and I couldn't text anybody. <laughs> Yeah, I read this one too, and I really liked it. That's why I recommended it to Dawn. And what I like about Riley Sager Sager's <laughs> books 
is that he takes horror tropes. So he takes like his first book is called final girls. Um, and this one takes that summer camp horror movie trope, but actually makes it a thriller. It's not really a horror novel. It's a thriller, but it's, it's in the framework of a horror movie. So I like that. And some of his books work for me and some of them don't, I didn't like final girls as much as I liked the last time I lied, but I buy all of his books. Um, because I know that, you know, when they really work, they work for me really well. So yeah, if you like horror movie ideas without the scary, scary horror movie stuff, this is a good kind of in-between space, I think. Um, and my next one is most of you have probably heard of it because it is a TV series. That's pretty popular now, but it's the you series. So Y O U by Caroline Kepnes. Um, it's obviously a TV show as well, but what I loved about this is first of all, if you're an audiobook person, this one is great on audio because the narrator is Santino Fontana and he sounds very much like Penn Badgley, who is the actor who plays Joe on the um, TV show. So I can picture Penn Badgley in my head, which is never a bad thing. <laughs> he's, he's very easy to look at. Um, he's also from Gossip Girl for those of you who watch Gossip Girl, but so I can picture him when I'm listening to the audiobooks Cause I actually watched the first season of this series before I listened to the book. So this is one where I did the reverse. Usually I try to read the book first. So I already had that image and that I think enhanced the, the experience, but this series has three books. I've read the first two, which is you and hidden bodies. And if you don't know the setup, Joe Goldberg's the main character. He works in a bookstore in New York and he just wants to love somebody. You guys, that's all he wants in his life. He just wants some love. Um, but... and he falls, <laughs> right. He falls really hard and fast for the women that he likes. And he becomes completely devoted, which may also be called obsession and stalking. Um, so <laughs> he's a little intense about his love and that's, uh, you know, it's very tongue in cheek, but also legitimately a suspense, scary novel or TV show. But Sometimes, you know, if somebody gets in the way of his love for that person, he may kidnap them and put them in a cage in his basement, you know, because those pesky ex-boyfriends, they really are a problem when you're trying to get to know a girl. Um, so it's, as you do, yeah. And he is, you know, possibly a sociopathic serial killer, but really lovable. <laughs> so yeah, there are I, so many things wrong with that I know. sentence right there. <laughs> I know it shouldn't work. But she has managed to write a serial killer who is lovable and that you're kind of pulling for him because sometimes the people that he kills really, you know, they're kind of just not the best people and super annoying. And it's like, yeah, let's just put them in a cage and kill them. Uh, yeah, I sound like a terrible person. But if you watch the show or you read the books, you know what I'm talking about. And what is interesting about the books is they're written in second person. So for those of y'all who haven't been in grammar class in a while, um, Second person means you saying like, you walk into the bookstore, you do this. And if you had asked me before, would you like to read a book in second person? I would be like, hell no. And thank you. I do not have any interest in that, but this works so well because he's talking about the girl. So whoever he's obsessing about in the first book, it's Beck. So when he's saying you walk into the bookstore, you flip your hair, you do this. It's because he's watching her do it. And it really does work. And in the TV show, he does that kind of narration as well. So if you're looking for something that's a little scary, but also very um, tongue in cheek, and you really are pulling for the bad guy, you know, if you like that kind of silence of the lambs, you know, that where you're really kind of like the bad guy a little bit, even though he's terrifying, um, this is a good one. And also Joe gets himself in situations that, you know, he's not the best serial killer. <laughs> 
So sometimes he makes mistakes and it's like, oh crap, now I have to put two people in the cage or whatever. I didn't plan on killing this person, but they just showed up. Um, so if you want a little humor in your suspense, um, highly recommend it. I'm super looking forward to the third season just started on Netflix. So that is queued up for me um, for my Halloween watching. Dawn, I think you could, you could love Joe. I think this one would be okay for you. He sounds very lovable. Like (laughs) he sounds like somebody you just want to hang out with, go check out his cage collection. I mean, he just sounds Just don't let him fall in love with you. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Just just keep those boundaries. Yes. Boundaries, boundaries are important. Yes. The other one I wanted to recommend is That Last Weekend by Laura De Silvieri. De Silverio, maybe? De Silverio, sure. <laughs> we will have the link in the show notes. Yes. And this was another, I found a pattern when I was coming up with books. I like dual timelines. And um, this one is not so much uh, told in a dual timeline, but this is another It's a group of college kids that um, five college friends were having a girls weekend at this chateau, which is a really creepy, like if I pulled up to this thing, I'd be like, nah, we're headed to the Hilton. (laughs) Um, Five years ago, or sorry, 10 years ago, and something really terrible happened to one of them. Mm -hmm. And this is the person who had something really terrible happen to her has invited everybody back to the chateau for another girls weekend. And they all kind of feel like they have to go because something really terrible happened to her. So they all go. And then again, really bad things start happening. And you start finding out what happened back then and how that's impacting their lives today. All the secrets start to come out. The only thing I didn't like about this one is the motivation for why the characters did not just get in their cars and drive away when people started dying was very, very weak. Because if I check into a bed and breakfast with five friends and we wake up the next morning and one of them's dead, I'm totally packing my bags. I'm not being like, well, we said we'd stay the whole weekend. (laughs) Um, But if you let go of that part of it, it's a really good act. I get the Christie style claustrophobic type read. When I was preparing for this, I was looking for the links for Amazon and I don't know if it doesn't appear to be on Kindle. Maybe whenever we're looking for the show notes, we'll find it. Mm-hmm. But I read it a couple of years ago, but I kind of skimmed back through some of the reviews and some of the reviews talk about how this reads like a cozy. This is not a cozy. <laughs> there is violence on the page. There is strong language. This is, does not read like a cozy to me at all. So I wanted to be sure I threw that in for our listeners who like cozies and they see that review and they're like, oh, this is no, not cozy. Right. No. Yeah. I, um, I was listening to an audiobook this week that Dom was freaking out about the cover um, that it was really scary, but it's called nothing but black and teeth. And I'm not going to go into the story so much, but they have okay, a moment. Stop, stop just one second. <laughs> First of all, did y'all hear that title? The title of this book is Nothing But Blackened Teeth. Well, it's a horror novel, Dawn. (laughs) Well, and I have this creepy thing about teeth anyway. So Mm -hmm. that completely freaked me. But who picks up a title? Who looks at a book called Nothing But Blackened Teeth and thinks, this will be my light reading for the evening? I do. I was listening to it while I was cooking. (laughs) But what I liked about excuse me, what I liked about it was what you were saying of they're at the chateau and uh, they have no good reason why they shouldn't leave. They actually have somebody call them 
out in this book because they went to a haunted mansion in Japan and ghosts show up and the comic relief guy, you know, from the horror movies, the comic relief guy is like, this is the part of the movie where people start to die and we should leave. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. that's the smart guy. Y'all follow. Of course they didn't follow it. As we discussed earlier, there's many situations that I have been in where my job was to be the comic relief. So I live with no illusions. I'm making it past the first 15 minutes of a horror movie or the first five chapters of a scary book. I'm one of the ones they take out first. Yes. But if I was in that situation, as I was saying, oh, this is the part where people start dying. I'm walking out the door. I don't care if you're following me or not. <laughs> Dawn's not saving us, you guys. She's like, you no. got to find your own way out. No, I'm not not the person you want to save you. All right, Dawn, you had one more for us in the suspense category, right? Well, this was one that you had recommended to me a long time ago. It is 10 by Gretchen McNeil. And this is a, it's actually a YA book. It's about some teenagers that are isolated on an island in the middle of a storm. This was my level of horror. Mm -hmm. And it's based on Agatha Christie, who queen it was it's based on her and then there were none and the twist in it is a little bit different so if you're familiar with and then there were none there's a little bit different twist but it very much reminded me of Christopher Pike and Lois Duncan Lois Duncan of course wrote I know what you did last summer that kind of eerie teenager angsty type story and so I really did enjoy that one. Now, if you go on YouTube and you search for Harper Teen 10 book trailer, there is an absolutely terrifying book trailer that I would have never read this book if I saw that first. <laughs> yeah. And I will say if you are not into scary horror, if but you are curious about it, a good place to start is YA because they usually will still have scary books, but they're going to stop at a certain point of violence at a certain point of gore because it is a young adult book. So there might be ones in that zone that you can find. So those are our suspense recommendations. The next section that we have is for kind of the catch-all for horror, paranormal, dystopian, anything that kind of has a supernatural element or is a straight up horror. And um, my first one First of all, y'all are going to find as we're going through these books that I might have a little bit of a thing for vampires. So <laughs> I know they're not as trendy these days, but I've, I have been a person who likes a vampire book for a long time before they were popular <laughs> and after. Um, but I can't do that without talking about the original, um, and at least for me, was Interview with a Vampire. I know the original is Dracula, so don't come for me, you guys, you classic right. literature people. <laughs> Dracula's fine. Not my choice, but Interview with a Vampire by Anne Rice was the one that kind of was my first like true adult vampire novel that got me hooked. I am from Louisiana, if I haven't mentioned that before. So Anne Rice is a New Orleans author. So she's a big deal there. I mean, she's a big deal everywhere. But um, so it was part of my LSU curriculum when I took a course called Vampires in Literature, which was an awesome class. (laughs) I had to read this book. And I'm not going to go too deep into the plot because it's, you know, very popular and there's movie. Um. But Louis, a vampire, is being interviewed about his, about his life in San Francisco, um, and it's kind of like present day. So that's hence the title, you know, is Interview with a Vampire. And it's a flashback story. So you're going to travel through time starting in the late 1700s. You're going to go to France. You're going to New Orleans and all of these different places. And these vampires are definitely the sexy variety of vampires, but they're also monstrous. So 
you know, we're going to go through a couple of different vampire versions and some are just sexy <laughs> and some are just monstrous, but these are a good combination of both. And the movie didn't hurt with that because Brad Pitt was probably at peak Brad Pitt. Oh, yes. When he, Absolutely. When, when he was Louis interview with a vampire. I wasn't as sold as on Tom Cruise as Lestat, but yeah, I'm here for the Brad Pitt vampire. So if you haven't seen the movie, I do recommend reading the book first, um, but both the book and the movie were good for me. So I, if you want to start, you know, and you want to be like 14 year old Ronnie who drew, drew hearts on her notebook about Brad Pitt being a vampire, um, you can start with the OG with Interview with a Vampire. Well, and I will say I've never read that book. Um, we didn't have vampires in literature at the college <laughs> I went to in Oklahoma. That's kind of odd. But one of my things that freaks me out, like if we're doing levels of Dawn's terror here, one of the things that's at the top of it is Ghost of Children. Mm. Those just, I can't. And in that movie, the the child yeah. terrified me. I was more scared of her than right. any of the other vampires. Yeah. Kirsten Dunst, right? That was her yes, first yes. breakout role. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Creepy kids. I, I'm not, I'm a little freaked out by the creepy kids too, because kids really can be kind of terrifying <laughs> yes, in all kinds of ways. Terrifying. So mine that kind of goes with that is The Good Demon by, and I swear, I, I need to learn how to say these people's names. I'm sorry if I'm destroying your name, but it's Jimmy Caholis. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So this was, this one was another Ronnie recommendation. It's kind of YA in that the character is a teenager. Mm-hmm. I don't know necessarily that I would think it was a YA book if I just picked it up, but the title of it is The Good Demon because it is about a teenage girl who has been possessed and her family calls in the church and the church does an exorcism and she loses her demon and she's lonely. And all she wants is her demon back. And so she ends up kind of teaming up with the son of the preacher who did the exorcism to try to figure out like how to reverse it and how to get her demon back. And it's really like sucks you in very, very intriguing. So now um, we're going to pause for just a minute because I feel like talking about the good demon that I need to talk about how much it took for me to read this because I was absolutely traumatized by the movie, The Exorcist. And that is because I was four years old. Oh my God. And my uncle, who was not a whole lot older than me, he was a teenager when this happened. He lived with us. Mm -hmm. And I distinctly remember this. I had been outside playing and I came inside and he was supposed to be watching me and he wasn't. He was in his bedroom on the phone with a girl. And I sat down on our couch looked at the TV and it was right in the scene in the exorcist where she is bouncing up and down on the bed repeatedly sets up and her head spins around. Oh Lord. (laughs) And the minute her head spins around little four-year-old Dawn lost it. I started screaming and I ran. And what's funny is I was not allowed in my uncle's bedroom without permission so I just ran to the doorway and stopped and just stood there and screamed at the Aww. top of my lungs. <laughs> and I, I can still hear his voice right now saying, I've got to go something scared Dawn. And as soon as he hung up, I like launched myself from the, the threshold of his bedroom into him. <laughs> and I was screaming, there's something under that girl's bed. Aww. Because I didn't understand demon yeah. possession at four years old. <laughs> right. 
And, and that's what I just kept telling him. There's something under that girl's bed. There's something under that girl's bed. And so he took me in the living room. He saw what was on. And then it was, he turned off the TV and immediately was like, so what do you want to not tell your mother? Right. <laughs> like, do you want ice cream? Do you want some chocolate? Do you want a new toy? You need to not tell your mother. Yeah. That's a really young age to be exposed to that one. Cause the extras is scary for me. And I didn't see it till I was probably a young teen and I went to Catholic school, you guys. So I was genuinely like freaked out by this movie. Cause I'm like, this is real. This could totally happen. Um, so yeah, four years old, I think I would, I would have been scarred for sure. Well, and I will say I have never seen the actual movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have only seen that one little clip. It lives in my brain. It has never gone away in a really long time. Yeah. You should probably steer clear of it. Knowing you, I, yeah, no, it's, it's still scary. It holds up. So it's, it's a scary movie, but all right. Well, Dawn did trust me to read the good demon. So I do appreciate you trusting me with my recommendation because I normally wouldn't send her that something like that, but I, something about it was like, okay, I think it's safe for Dawn. Um, my next one is another vampire novel. So this is another series. And this is also a popular one probably because of a TV show. So if you've seen True Blood, it's Dead Until Dark by Charlene Harris. Um, it's a Sookie Stackhouse books, but most people call them the True Blood books now. So I love humor in my horror. And these books do a really good job of mixing in a heroine that is really quirky and funny. And you have sarcastic vampires, but they're also very dangerous vampires. So there's legitimate action in these movies. I mean, in these books, there's legitimate violence. So if you're looking for like just kind of twilighty vampires, that is not these books, Um, but there is romance. And I am a big fan of Eric Northman in that series. So he is the bad vampire, but you know, the bad ones are always the ones that, you know, it's like, yeah, you want the bad guy. Um, So this is one that if you want to read the series, know that you're going to want to continue on because it is a long spanning series and it follows the same people. It's not like, you know, standalones where you can pick up in the middle. So start at the beginning and follow Sookie Stackhouse, who's just a cocktail waitress in Bonton, Louisiana. She can read minds though. So the first book starts with Bill Compton walks into the bar and it's the first person whose mind she can't read. And she doesn't know why. And we know why Bill's a vampire. (laughs) Um, So she gets involved in all of this because she has this power and now she's pulled into the world of vampires. And I just, it's such a good series. And it's been so long since I've read it that when I told Dom when I was going through all my notes and adding in things this week, I was like, I need to go back and read all of these because they were like at a time in my life that I was just like reading series straight through. And it's so rare now because I read so widely that I actually read series back to back to back. So you do get lost in kind of that, like, the world, you know, the world mm-hmm. building of that. And you're in it for so long if you're reading eight books or something. So I probably need to do that one day again is just, you know, get lost in a series. So that's a great feeling. I miss yeah. that feeling. That's a great feeling. Did you watch the show, Dawn True Blood? Did you? I've seen a couple of episodes of it, but I think whatever um, service it was on, we didn't actually have. Yeah, I think it's HBO. I think it was HBO. Yeah, I think we didn't actually have it. So I haven't, I've seen a couple of episodes but I didn't really know what was going on because I was coming in the middle. Yeah. You might want to try it. I don't think it's too scary for a horror, you know, anti-horror person. Um, and she's, you know, very Southern and sassy and all of that. <laughs> so she's fun to, to follow. But all right, Donald, do you have a next one in this category? Yes. And I'm going to have to say this title very slow because it runs all together when I try to say it. 
the seven and a half deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton. And that name, I had to say it slow because there's also another book called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, I believe. Mm -hmm, By Taylor Jenkins Reid. Yes. And there was an issue because those both came out at about the same time. And originally this book was just the seven deaths. Mm. And so they added the half to make sure that there there was, because they're very, very different. Very completely. I read the other one. I read the Taylor Jenkins Reid one. (laughs) And this is a super atmospheric, like one of the lines for it on Amazon was Agatha Christie meets Groundhog Day. And it is about a character um, at the beginning, the character's name's Aiden. Aiden wakes up, no idea where he's at, what he's doing. He's got a name in his mind and that's it. And he's in this like creepy wet forest type thing. And you find out that he is at Blackheath Manor and his mission, I guess, is that he has to stop Evelyn Hardcastle from dying. Mm. And every day that he is not able to do that, his memory gets wiped and he wakes up as a completely different person. So some of the characters that he wakes up in are good people. Some of the characters he wakes up in are not good people. Some of them are not useful. And if he doesn't stop it, like he he will just keep repeating this until either she dies or he's able to stop it. But every time he doesn't succeed, she dies and then he wakes up into a new person. It is very, very, very bad things happen in this book. This is not for sensitive readers, needs a lot of content warnings. Okay. And my favorite um, comment off of the Goodreads review was from a Goodreads reviewer named Chai with a little heart. And it said, normalcy has its place, but you won't find it in this book. (laughs) (laughs) And that completely, because you get sucked into it. The writing is amazing. And you get sucked into it and you get sucked into, for me, the mystery of it. Okay, why are you here? Why are you the one who has to stop this? What are you trying to stop? But about halfway through, you're like, what am I reading? (laughs) I'm going to keep going though. So I highly recommend it. Yeah. And I have this one on my shelf because Dawn recommended it to me. I I'm totally intrigued by the whole concept. So I plan to read this one and I love a time loop story. I'm actually going to recommend a horror movie later. That is the same kind of, they're not jumping into different bodies, but it's a time loop like that, where they have to figure out a mystery in order to get out of the loop. I love that whole like high concept of it. So that is on my list to read. Um, the, my next one is a classic haunted house story. So I figured, you know, if we're going to do horror, we need to have a haunted house and This one is actually a really, um, I'm going to say really old. And then somebody's going to be like, I was, you know, a kid in that year, (laughs) but it came out in 1978, which is a year before I was born. Um, But it's called The House Next Door by Ann Rivers Siddons. You can still find copies of it. Um, The reason why I found this is because I'm going to talk about a book in a few minutes called Paperbacks from Hell that talks about old horror novels and some of the good ones and everything. And this was recommended in that book. So I wanted to go and pick it up, but Here's the back cover copy because me trying to summarize this on my own wasn't going to work. So this is what's on the cover. 30-something Cole Kitt and Walter Kennedy live in a charming, peaceful suburb of the newly bustling Atlanta. Life is made up of enjoyable work, long, lazy weekends, and the company of good neighbors. Then to their shock, construction starts on the vacant lot next door, a wooded hillside they believed would remain undeveloped. Soon, though, they've come to realize that more is wrong than their diminished privacy. 
Surely the house can't be haunted, quote unquote, yet something about it seems to destroy the goodness of every person who comes to live in it until the entire heart of this friendly neighborhood threatens to be torn apart. So it had really pretty like literary descriptions, which, you know, sometimes you get in horror novels, but a lot of times you don't, but it had this like sense of dread building that was just a steady, steady build that you felt like something bad is going to happen. Like this is all kind of increasing the whole time. So I love that building tension. Um, not all the horror was shown on the page, but there is that constant tension. So if you can't sit with the book and be in tension, probably not for you. Um, it did build to a good climax and I didn't see the twist coming, which is always a plus. But what I also liked was it wasn't written about the seventies. It was written in the seventies. So you got to see like life as it really was, not how we imagined it to be. So, you know, no cell phones and all of those things and people having dinner parties and um, all of these things that my parents talk about, but that wasn't really my experience growing up. So I really loved that. But the take on the haunted house I liked because it wasn't like this house is haunted and there's ghosts, you know, roaming around. It's this house makes people do bad things. So it like eats at whoever moves in and like turns them into an evil or bad person. Um, and so it's, it's a different take on it that I really thought was clever. And the book completely holds up because sometimes you read those old horror novels or old romance novels. And it's like, yeah, this feels really old. This one didn't, it felt nostalgic in the sense of, you know, the seventies, but it was really still a good, you know, horror story. So that's the house next door by Ann Rivers Siddons. Well, and talking about that tension and just that building sense of dread, that works really well with my next recommendation, which is Dark Places by Gillian Flynn, Mm -hmm. who, of course, wrote Gone Girl. This is not related to Gone Girl at all, but it's obviously her writing, and she's just excellent at building that dread feeling in making horrible people. (laughs) You want to just, you know, totally read about terrible, terrible people. So Dark Places is about a girl who was the sole survivor of her brother murdering her entire family when she was seven. And she escaped. She testified against the brother. The brother's in jail. And the community rallied around her. And I found this to be very interesting because this is something I've never thought about. She was the sole survivor. The community rallied around her. They created a trust fund for her that she eventually got access to. And she's been living off this trust fund. And the book opens with her meeting with her lawyer who is like, yeah, you have like $218 to your name. Mm -hmm. And so she's never had to work. She's never had to do any of that kind of stuff. So she's trying to figure out what she wants to do and how she's going to make any money. And she gets approached by a guy who is a member of what they call the Kill Club. And the Kill Club is a group that studies killers and murder and stories, that kind of thing. And they want to pay her for her to come talk because they believe her brother is innocent. And so it's about trying to, you know, their goal is to free him. Her goal is like, no, like I saw him. And it's also a dual timeline. And you find out what actually happened that night and horrible people, like everybody... (laughs) Everybody is a terrible, terrible person. And it all comes together of like the worst night ever, perfect storm for all of these things to happen. So many trigger warnings, like so, so many bad things that if you have any kind of concerns about reading 
violence against children and stuff like that, you, you want to check with somebody before you read this because it is super dark, but it's really, really good. There was also a movie. I read the book first. And so when I saw the movie, the movie felt nah to me, it wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It, but the book completely sucks you in. Yeah. I think I have that one on some Kindle deal I bought at some point because I, I, I liked Gone Girl. So I think I bought it, you know, from that. So that sounds really intriguing. And yeah, Gone Girl too. Every, you hate everybody. Everybody's a terrible person, <laughs> but yet they're compelling. So I can, I can stick with somebody who I hate, but that's compelling. Um, my next one, Dawn has still not forgiven me for this one. So <laughs> it's a wonder that we're still friends after I did this to her. But my next one is Horror Store by Grady Hendrix. And that's one word spelled horror and then S-T-O-R. Um, so if you look at this book in the bookstore, you guys, it looks like an Ikea catalog because this horror novel is set in an Ikea like store, which was completely all I needed to know. If you've ever been to Ikea now, I appreciate a lot of Ikea's furniture. I am pro Ikea for a lot of things, but it is a terrifying place, but it is a nightmare to go to Ikea on a Saturday. It just is imagine being trapped in there at night, you know? So this is like a haunted house story set in Ikea. The store is called Orsk. So O-R-S-K. And uh, they make no, you know, they're not hiding that they're, it's like an Ikea. But so you have a couple of workers who every time they close at night, when they come back the next morning, furniture is broken, you know, vases are broken. The place been, has been trashed. None of the security cameras capture anything. It's just, you know, something's been there and they don't know what. So some stupid people who work there volunteer to stay overnight. This is when Dawn would be like, y'all have fun now, you hear? Yeah, I'd be like, no, I'm not, no. So yes, go ahead, go ahead. And then we'll talk about how I got roped into this. <laughs> so the three employees that, you know, volunteer to stay overnight, they're pretty much, you know, locked in for the night. They're going to figure out what's being, you know, done and what is causing it. And as you start to go through the book and see what's happening, and it's definitely a supernatural situation. This isn't a thriller. This is a horror novel. Um, so if you have the print copy, there's pictures of the furniture. Like, you know, when you get an Ikea piece of furniture, you have the directions and it has the name and the little drawings. Well, at the start of the book, these are nice little drawings about, you know, this bed or this couch. But as they go on, it's like torture devices mm-hmm. that are starting to be described and drawn and all these scary things. I thought it was super clever, but I thought, you know, it's darkly funny. It's tongue in cheek. Like Dawn maybe could like this. And, and then I gave it to Dawn. Yes. And then my friend comes up to me and it's like, Hey, look at this cute little book. Doesn't it look like an Ikea catalog? Oh, look at the little illustrations. Isn't it? You should read it. And here's the thing, because we all know I'm a big fat chicken. I don't like horror. If I start reading it, I can't put it down because I've got to know how it ends. Mm -hmm. I can't just walk away with the monster out there killing people. He's going to show up and knock on my door. So yes. So I did read the whole book. I'm very proud of that fact. I did read the whole book and then I gave it back. (laughs) Um, And it's another thing that lives off in a little corner of my mind every now and then that anytime (laughs) we go in there, I swear if I was ever in Ikea and the electricity went out, I would just faint. I would just be on the ground. Be like, this is how it ends. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I don't want to be trapped in one either after this. Well, I'm sorry. I did. I have learned because we, you know, I think this was 
a couple of years ago. So I was still learning where your line was for horror, but we'll leave the, the scary Ikea tucked with the girl jump, you know, with, you know, flipping on the bed and from the exorcist, they can yes. live in that little corner in your mind. We just close that door. Yeah. So Dawn, did you have another one? Or is it me again? It's you again, talking me about again. sour candy. Okay. So I figured, you know, we're coming up on the Halloween season. If you don't want to dive into something really long, um, I have a short story and a novella to recommend. So if you just want a short, quick, scary read, this is Sour Candy by Keelan Patrick Burke. It's only 65 pages. So your, your horror and terror will only last a short time, but here's the back cover copy on this one. Um, at first glance, Phil Pendleton and his son, Adam are just an ordinary father and son, no different from any other. They take walks in the park together. They visit county fairs, museums, and zoos and eat together overlooking the lake. Some might say the father is a little too accommodating given the lack of discipline when the child loses his temper in public. Some might say he spoils his son by allowing him to set his own bedtime and eat candy whenever he wants. Some might say that such leniency is starting to take its toll on the father, given how his health has declined. What no one knows is that Phil is a prisoner and that up until a few weeks ago in a chance encounter at a grocery store, he had never seen this child before in his life. So the creepiness of this is what we call high concept and, you know, writing and in movies that this is what hooked me. It's what if the screaming child in the grocery store, you know, suddenly turns to you and calls you mom or daddy and everybody assumes that it's yours. So I'm not going to give away what the story is, but yeah, he is stuck with this child who is a terror. Um, and for 65 pages, you got to figure out why that is. And he can't tell him no. So that's what the sour candy stuff is. Yeah. Really scary. Um, but quick. And I think all of us who have been parents know that that is the ultimate nightmare. <laughs> the screaming child in the grocery store is yours. <laughs> well, and I've already mentioned like the children freak me out. This would totally freak you out. Don't read this one. <laughs> well, we had an incident when we, um, when my kids were very little, my daughter, Michelle, we had lived in a trailer. And if you've ever lived in a trailer that isn't tied down very well, when anybody walks, the floor moves. And so we'd lived in this trailer for a year and a half. We were absolutely used to, um, the kids were not even in elementary school yet when we were living there. So they would jump off the bed and run across the floor. And so I always knew when they were coming up behind me, I always knew exactly where they were. Then we moved into a house and the first or second day we were in the house, I was standing in the hallway and I turned around and Michelle was just standing behind me for no reason. <laughs> And I hadn't heard her come up. I had, I screamed, <laughs> which terrified her because mommy's screaming. I should probably scream too. Right. So not okay with that. That's not okay. Yeah. My next one is a novella by, I can't go through a horror episode and not mention Stephen King. So it's going to go without saying I didn't pick the shining and Carrie and it, and all of those books for this episode, because you guys know those books. And if you like horror, you've already read those books, but Know that if you haven't, go and read those books because Stephen King, you know, he's the king for a reason in the genre. Um, but one that you might not have read, and there was a movie back in the day, but um, was a novella or a short story in Night Shift, which was called Sometimes They Come Back. So it's in 1957, brothers Wayne and Jim are attacked by a gang of greasers. So which always makes you think of the outsiders when you say yes. greasers, but um, Wayne is killed, but Jim gets away. So now we're in the present. So that was back when they were kids. His brother gets killed. Now in the present, Jim's an, a, an adult and a teacher. He teaches English. And a new student shows up in his class that has a strong resemblance to one of the greasers who killed his brother, but he hasn't aged. 
So looks the same as he did back then. And then Jim's students start getting killed in odd or strange ways. And each time someone does another greaser or lookalike shows up in class. Um, so it's a fast and creepy read. You can go watch the movie after if you want, but Dawn, I think as a teacher, this one probably would freak you out. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I've actually read this. Oh, good. I've actually read, I was a big Stephen King fan when I was in high school because I did not do well with peer pressure. <laughs> and I mean, I never did drugs, anything like that. But it was, hey, you want to read Carrie? You know, that kind of thing. And so I have read, I've read a night, I've read Night Shift. I've read The Shining. I've read Carrie. I've read Cujo. I've read Christine. I've read all of those. And I distinctly remember this story. Yes. So... <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's good and creepy and short and not, you know, terribly terrifying. I think it's good creepy, um, but yeah. And then, so those were two short ones. If you wanted something short, my last one is not short, you guys. My last one. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I'll be quiet. Go ahead. <laughs> Don't anticipating what I'm about to say, because it's 700 pages and there's a lizard hero and I don't care. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Just to make sure everyone heard that <laughs> 700 pages and a lizard hero. Yes. And you should all read it now. Um, it's called the last hour of Gan G A N N by R Lee Smith. I read this a couple of years ago. I don't even know where to start with this one, <laughs> but y'all don't judge me. So here's the back cover copy. Amber Beers has nothing left except her sister and two tickets on Earth's first colony ship. She entered her sleeper with a five-year contract and the promise of a better life, but awakened in wreckage on an unknown world. For the survivors, there is no rescue, no way home, and no hope until they find or they are found by Maroc, a holy warrior more deadly than any hungering beast on the hostile new world, but whose eyes show a different sort of hunger when he looks at her. So first of all, I would like to state. It's a lizard I, in love. <laughs> I rarely read sci-fi. I rarely read fantasy, this whole colony ships. And so, this is not my wheelhouse. You guys, this came to me. I don't even know how it was probably through some other writer who's recommending blah, 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 but it's sci-fi horror and erotic romance. And the hero is a big ass lizard. <laughs> I just lost my clean rating. <laughs> so I have a detailed rave about this book on my blog. I'm going to, I'll link to it in the show notes so that I don't have to sit here and rave, you know, too much about it and the time we have, but I know it sounds weird. I know it sounds bizarre. If somebody tried to sell me this book, I'd have been like, no way, not my thing. It's so good. You guys, it's so amazingly good and it's scary and it's really sexy. And yes, I know he's a lizard, but it works. And we're going to have a future episode about reading shame. And I am not feeling shame about this. So y'all don't come shame me about it. But if you be proud of your lizard love, (laughs) (laughs) if you're looking for something completely different that you're probably not hearing about on other podcasts and you have 700 pages of time to give to it, um, I recommend last hour of game by Arlie Smith. So Dawn, I don't, I don't think this one's for you. Although Dawn reads more crazy sci-fi weird hero stuff than I do. So that's true. Now I totally ice planet barbarians, my boundary lands, all those. Yes. So I, I wouldn't necessarily reject it based on the lizard. 
Yeah. The I, 700 pages kind <laughs> of intimidates me. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the level of horror. I'm it was, it's horror, but I, I don't know if it's the kind that would scare you or not. So I've heard it called erotic horror, which, you know, every genre is a mashup these days, but yes. Um, all right. My last one in this section is one I mentioned earlier is paperbacks from hell, the twisted history of seventies and eighties horror fiction by Grady Hendrix. So this is for my horror nerds out there. Um, this is also the same guy who wrote horror store that we just talked about the Ikea one, but what Grady Hendrix did was he dove into the stacks, um, to read through the best and worst of the seventies and eighties horror fiction, and then put them together in a book. He put all the cool cover art, all the crazy looking cover art, um, from the seventies and eighties, because if you were younger than us, you might not remember, or you might not been around, but horror was like the thing in the eighties in the, in the seventies too. But like, it was the big genre and it's, you know, declined since then. And he talks about the history of it and what happened and why it started to decline. Um, but I found it really fascinating to someone who's a fan of the genre. And I found a lot of book recommendations. Some of them, you know, they're cheesy, just like you look at old, old romances, you know, the bodice rippers and stuff, but there were some that were, that's where I found the house next door. Um, so there were some really good recommendations there. It will blow up your TBR if you're a fan of these kind of books, but if you're just, want to flip through and look at all the funny covers and like, you know, the skeletons and all the different, you know, the creepy doll covers, all the things that were uh, popular back then. It it is a fun one to flip through. So just know, you know, if you're going to go and get it, you will end up buying a lot of, you're going to be scouring the used bookstores, trying to find these out of print, you know, weird (laughs) horror books that are no longer around, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. So we're going to talk about true crime a little bit. And this is where I don't have a whole lot of recommendations because like we talked about on one of the previous shows, for some reason, true crime, I can watch it all day long. And the minute I start reading it, I'm like, every door in here needs to be locked. Every, you know, make sure those window, that window technically doesn't open, but we're going to make sure it's locked anyway. And so all of my true crime stuff comes from watching the evil next next door and forensic files and that kind of thing, which again, I think is related to the puzzle of it. Mm -hmm. I think I like the puzzle of it. I I do like the show disappeared, Mm -hmm. which a friend of mine pointed out that that's the most frustrating show ever because most of the time they have not found them. So this is going to be all you with the book recommendations. Yeah. I find it so interesting too, that you like can watch it, but not read it. Like the psychology major in me is like, why is that? Why is it less scary on TV? Um, but I'm not going to mention, or not going to go into I'll be gone in the dark because we already talked about it on a previous episode, but if you're looking for true crime and haven't read that one, definitely put I'll be gone in the dark on your list. Um, my first one today is we keep the dead close by Becky Cooper. So Becky Cooper, she researched the murder of Jane Britton, which happened in 1969 while Jane was attending Harvard. And Becky herself went to Harvard. So she heard this story about this co-ed back in 1969 and that the rumor was that she was killed by a professor. And um, so she got really curious about this story and decided she wanted to investigate it. So that's what this book is about. Um, It's exhaustively researched. So I would almost call it literary true crime. I mean, it was really well-written in the back of her research. I mean, it's like when you're reading the book, you think you're not done yet, but then it's because it's like 30 pages of references at the back, like the really good research. And I will say this one was slow to start. I wasn't sure how I was going to like it, but the second half, it really picked up and became you know super riveting. Now I will say, cause I know a lot of people 
won't want to read a true crime book if they don't have a resolution. This one does have a re- resolution. You do find out. She does, you know, find out who the murderer was at the end. But what I got from this book is she goes through so many possible suspects and some of the circumstantial evidence for some of these suspects was so strong that it was like, it had to be that person. And then you find out it wasn't one of these people or that person. And that part was what was scary to me about this book Mm -hmm. was because somebody can look really, really guilty and was not, and they get definite proof at the end of who it was through, I think, DNA evidence. So, you know, who it was. And when you look back at the whole book and all the different evidence against different people, you're like, wow, like it's crazy how, you know, it could really look bad for somebody and somebody could get a reputation that they, people, you know, were suspicious of them or whatever. And they really were innocent. So it was really well done, but know that going in, it's not a fast starter. Well, and I'm, I'm going to interrupt because I do actually have a recommendation that I just remembered. Okay. And that is, I know who killed my daughter by Lois Duncan. Oh yeah. I never read that one, but I remember it was a big deal. And Lois Duncan, of course, was a, she's was one of my favorite authors in um, the eighties because she did all that teen horror type thing. And she, her daughter in real life um, was killed when I think she was in her early twenties and she had stopped by her parents' house, hung out with her mom for a little bit got in her car, drove off and was found a couple hours later on the side of the road where it was clear, like her car had been driven off the side of the road and she'd been shot. Mm. And there, of course, investigation, but looking at everything that was going wrong in that poor girl's life at that point, there was, there are so many people. And I was just looking, I don't know that it's been solved. There's so many people that it could have been. And there were so many situations that you would think, oh, well, this is why they, this was the motive. And then you would turn to the next chapter and be like, oh, well, this is a motive too. Yeah. No, that's, I'll have to read that one because I I used to read Lois Duncan too. And I remember that book and I just never picked it up. But um, my next one is an audio book. So it was an audible original. So I don't know if you can get it unless you have audible, but It's called Evil Has a Name by Paul Holes and Jim Clemente. It is about the Golden State Killer. So that's what I'll be going in the dark is about as well. This was really, really compelling, you guys. I finished the audio in like almost one day. It's narrated by Paul Holes, who was the main investigator on the cold case. And it had interviews with people directly involved with the case. So it was really easy to listen to. It was almost like listening to a podcast versus an audio book. Um, but I do recommend, it's not necessary, but it enhanced the experience that I had read I'll Be Gone in the Dark first and then read, listened to this one. So it kind of added to it. Now I had a base, you know, of the story already and went into this, but really good. It wasn't very long, I don't think. So if you need something that's just a couple of hours on audio, that was a good one. And then my last true crime recommendation is not actually true crime, but it's a fiction novel that has a true crime setup in it. And it's A Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson. So it's a YA mystery, really super fast paced. Um, it was clearly inspired, inspired by the serial podcast. So if you've been listening to podcasts for a while, a lot of you have probably listened to serial. So you can see the parallel, you know, to it when you start reading the book, but the setup is that Pip is a high school senior. She wants to investigate. She wants to investigate the death of senior Andy Bell that happened five years ago. Sal Singh was her boyfriend was Andy's boyfriend and he died by suicide. So everyone assumes he's the murderer, 
But Pip was friends with Sal when she was a kid and she just doesn't think he did it. Like it doesn't seem like he's the right suspect for it. So for her senior project, she wants to investigate in kind of a true crime podcast style to figure out who really did it. But she gets herself in danger as those fiction heroines tend to do. And I will say when I finished this book, book two wasn't out yet in America. It was out in the UK. And I literally went and tracked down a UK version so I could get book two um, to get my hands on it. And now book three, I think just came out recently. So I haven't gotten to that one, but this is one that as soon as you shut it, you want to continue to read about these characters. So really good characters, really fast paced. And it's gentle enough because it is a YA mystery. It's, I wouldn't call it horror, but Dawn, you'd probably be okay with that one. And so those are the scary recommendations. And I wanted to make sure we had a section for Dawn. So these yes. are our Scooby-Doo recommendations. Yes. And that's what she titled it, y'all. It's the <laughs> Scooby-Doo recommendation, which, hey, I was a huge Scooby-Doo fan. So I'm good with that. Me totally too. down with the Scooby-Doo recommendations. And the first one that I'm going to recommend is a book by my friend, Ronnie Loren. I paid her to do this, you guys. <laughs> No, she didn't. I was like, I'm totally recommending your book. Um, It's called What If You and Me? And it is the story of Andy and Hill. And Andy is a heroine who loves horror movies, which means, you know, I can kind of relate to her. We'll see. Um, But she loves horror movies. She also suffers from anxiety. And she uses that kind of as an outlet. And then the hero is a firefighter. I mean, and so they have horror movie nights and some sexy time and yes totally recommend that one thank you yeah if you are listening to this podcast and you're hearing me talk about horror movies and stuff and then you read andy and what if you and me you will know that sometimes writers (laughs) put themselves a little bit into books (laughs) so there is research out there like i think i mentioned on a previous podcast but there is research that some people find anxiety relief watching horror because they feel like they're preparing for every circumstance and that is what my heroine does in that book. So if you're looking for a list of horror movies and things, and she has a true crime, true crime podcast in the book, um, you know, it, it's no scary stuff in there. You guys, I write romance. So there's a happy ending, you promise, but thank you, Dawn, for recommending my book. Um, my first recommendation, sorry, it's another vampire novel, <laughs> but, but it's a romance. So it's halfway to the grave by Janine Pross. If you want your Halloween to be sexy instead of scary, this is a perfect fit, I think. This is book one in the Night Huntress series, and it features Kat, who's a half vampire. She's trying to track down her vampire dad who ruined her mom's life. So she's got this mission, um, and she's very single-minded about it. But along the way, she crosses paths with Bones, who's a vampire, but he's also a bounty hunter. So this is enemies to lovers, paranormal romance, because Kat hates vampires. She has a really good backstory reason. Um, her mom was hurt by one. So really good backstory reason to go after vampires. And now she's got this dude bones who happens to be really hot vampire. You guys, I know you're shocked because yeah, you yeah. gotta have that. That's an important ingredient. Yeah. So when you need your Buffy vibes, you know, fulfilled, like when you watch Buffy the vampire slayer and you just want that kind of Buffy spike dynamic between a couple pictures spike when you're thinking of bones like it's the same kind of thing for me so i i watched buffy and then i went into this series and it was like the perfect pairing but they have to team up they're pursued by killers there's lots of action so it's not just let's look at each other and fall in love i mean there is genuine action genuine peril um it does end on a cliffhanger so you're definitely going to read the next one which is one foot in the grave 
I liked the second one even more than the first. Um, and there is like a whoa, hot love scene that somebody had warned me about. They're like, and when people are warning an erotic romance writer about a whoa, hot love scene, <laughs> you know, it's something to be noted because <laughs> I'm not easily, um, whoa, hotted, you know, th- about things, but it did, it did deliver you guys. It lived up to the hype. So if you want sexy and steamy, but also vampires kicking butt, um, this one has seven books with some novellas mixed in. So you'll have a lot to dive into. I haven't made it through the whole series, but when I was putting together the summaries for these, I was like, yeah, I need to get back to these. <laughs> so I'm going back to Cat and Bones. Dawn, do you have a Scooby-Doo rec for us? Yes. And this is for my cozy readers. These are for the, I want something light that's not going to stress me out that I could probably finish in an afternoon. And my recommendation is Ghost Pies and Alibis by Amanda Reed. And it is a fun, it's a psychic heroine who can see ghosts. Mm-hmm. And this, you know how it is in cozies. The person who dies is always the person everybody hated. Right. They, don't, they don't want you getting attached to that character. And so this person who had... Uh, tried to ruin her business basically dies and she starts seeing his ghost and he blackmails her into helping him find helping solve his murder mm-hmm. and so it's very light it's very funny where do the pies come in <laughs> oh she's she works at a uh, she owns a um bakery no pie shop cafe okay, okay. let's try that again <laughs> She owns a cafe or a diner is the word I was looking for. She owns a diner. And so that's where the pies come in. That sounds cute. Um, my next one is YA. I know y'all are going to get tired of me. It's Vampire Academy by Rochelle Mead. So we got more vampires. This one, when I'm going to give you the summary, is lots of world building in this one. I think it's based on like a Russian system of world building. But I, back in, when I started reading this, it was probably I don't know, 10 years ago, but I fell into this series hard. I was like, so here for the series and they get better as they go. So if you read the first one um, and you're like, eh, I liked it, but it didn't like totally capture me. Keep reading because they get better. Just like Harry Potter and all that, like the books get bigger and fatter, you know, more mm-hmm. in depth and you get more attached to these characters. So it's one that I say you have to give at least two books um, to totally fall into it. But the setup of the first one is, Rose Hathaway is a dampier, which is the person tasked with protecting her best friend who is Maroy. So this is why I'm saying the world building, but Maroy is a good vampire and she needs to be protected from the Strigoi, which are bad, bad vampires. So Rose, the main character is kind of like a supernatural bodyguard for the good vampire. Um, and when the book starts, they're best friends. They've been on the run from St. Vladimir's Academy and they have their reasons, which I'm not going to go into, but they're captured quickly in the beginning of the book. This isn't a spoiler by Dimitri, who's another guardian who happens to be very hot. We love Dimitri (laughs) Um, and they're brought back to the Academy. So there's some world building to do in this first book and it's a page turner. It's full of action and romance and it gets better as it goes along. There's other secondary characters who also have romances, but Rose is a badass heroine. So you want to follow her. She is, you know, taking care of things. She's very, got that. I wouldn't call her a Buffy, but she's got that Buffy vibe of like, I can beat the bad guys physically, you know, I can, I can fight. Um, and then Dimitri's like a fantastic love interest. So like I said, I read this back in 2009, um, but I raced through the series and just talking about it again is making me want to go back and read it again. But this is lighter on the horror because it is YA, but you know, and if you don't like romance in your horror, skip this one because there is some romance, but 
Dawn, you can handle this one, but I don't think you're a YA vampire romance. I actually, I think I may have read this first one. It sounds oh, yeah. really familiar. And I think I read it from the library a, another lifetime ago, but it sounds really familiar. It was big. I think it was in that kind of influx of vampire YA after Twilight. So mm. if you, I think we both were fans of Twilight. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I will shamelessly say that I loved Twilight. Um, but yeah, I think that was in that whole, as soon as Twilight hit all those vampire, you know, YAs came out. I think this was in that grouping, but I, I thought it was really well done. So. Well, and my last recommendation for this is a full romance. There is no nothing scary, <laughs> nothing paranormal about it at all. It is Her Halloween Treat by Tiffany Rice. And I put my book journal page that I did for this is on our Facebook page. So if you want to see like oh, my, yeah. my thoughts on it and that kind of thing, I got all excited with my ghost stickers and all that. But it is a complete... Just sit back and enjoy the romance. Halloween story. This girl is going back to um, for her brother's wedding. Her family owned a owned several cabins, and she goes back to the campground because her brother's getting married on Halloween. And when she gets to the campground and she walks in, she's expecting like this old cabin that they grew up in that's all broken down and it's been completely remodeled. And of course, there's a man upstairs who just happens to be hot still finish putting some last touches on things I think he's installing a ceiling fan or something and he comes down and they have this conversation and it's somebody she knew as a kid mm. and so it's a second chance romance there's an 80s themed wedding in it it is just awesome yeah and this is a harlequin right yes I don't remember which line but it is yeah. a harlequin yeah. And I think, um, cause Tiffany is an agent mate with me. And I think there were three of these that she does each holiday. So I want to say there's a Halloween, a Thanksgiving and a Christmas one or something like that. So if you like her writing, you know, there are more holiday themed ones and I'm assuming it's a little steamy at least cause Tiffany writes erotic. Yes. So yes, there's, there's definite steam, steam, lots yeah. of steam, not erotic, but steamy. So, okay. Yes. All right. Well, those are our book recommendations. So now we're going to go into the movie recommendations, which is going to be me talking a lot because Dawn is scared. <laughs> Dawn is not coming over for Halloween movie night. No, <laughs> I am not. But I'm, I'm going to skip past some of my favorites, at least giving descriptions, because I'm sure most of you, if you like horror movies, have already seen these. But every year I do like to watch the original Halloween and I'm going to watch the new one too. That one's on my list. Um, I can't wait to watch it. But uh, Scream is one of my favorite of all time because I love humor and horror mixed together. And then your classics, Poltergeist, Carrie, The Shining, A Nightmare on Elm Street, The Exorcist, Sorry Dawn. Um, for Stephen King's It, I'm actually partial to the miniseries that was on TV in the 90s because that was the first one I saw. And I was at a very formative age when I saw that. And I think because they could only show so much on a TV show, like it was a mini series on like mm -hmm. regular television, they couldn't show R rated stuff. And I think it actually made it creepier to me, but not that the new ones aren't scary. They are, but I kind of liked more of the subtlety of, you know, the original mini series. Did you watch that mini series, Dawn? Oh yes. I've actually seen everything on your list because I wasn't good with peer pressure and I went to lots <laughs> of slumber parties but I can tell those of you listening, if I was to text Ronnie, oh, I can't wait to see the new Halloween movie. 
she would absolutely be looking at her husband and be like, Dawn's in trouble. We got to go find her. <laughs> Dawn's been kidnapped in the cage outside the rest stop. <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, my other classic ones are Alien, The Ring. The Ring legitimately scared me when it first came out. That that one truly scared me. And then my nostalgic favorite, The Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. Let I me mean, just pitter patter my heart here for a second because I loved everyone in that movie. I would have taken on any of them. It's yeah. fine. Just <laughs> I had a huge Corey Feldman crush. Yeah. Like huge, like 12-year-old Don loved Corey Feldman, even mm-hmm. though I found out later he was probably the same height that I was when I was right. 12. <laughs> huge Corey Feldman crush. And yes, the Lost Boys, I was there for that. Yeah. I actually haven't seen the ring. That is the one that I haven't don't, seen. Don't see the ring. Don't see the ring. Um, yeah, the Lost Boys to the soundtrack. I still listen to the soundtrack of it. And it's just, it's great 80s classic. Just yes. Perfect pocket of 80s. But um, okay, so my first one that I'm going to fully recommend that's not one that you may have watched before is Happy Death Day. So this one is a dark comedy slasher. And this is the one I was mentioned earlier with a time loop. So if you like Scream and you're looking for something that's kind of in that zone, this is a good one for that. Um, so the summary is Tree Geldman is a college student who wakes up on her birthday after a night of partying to find herself in her male classmates, Carter's dorm room. She kind of dismisses him. She's like, I don't know this, whatever this dude and heads back to the sorority house to go on with her day. She's not the nicest person, you guys, at the start of the story. So she doesn't make the best choices. Um, that night on the way to a party, she's attacked and murdered. But then she wakes up again in Carter's room and it's her birthday again. That's what you get for not being nice. to the- <laughs> And when you watch the movie, she wakes up to an alarm of that, uh, hey, shorty, it's your birthday song. You know, nice. so plan on having that song in your head for the rest of your life when you watch this movie. <laughs> But so she wakes up again in his room. It's her birthday again. She's not sure what's happening. And it's like Groundhog Day. So it's a time loop where she find, she has to find a way to outwit the killer and survive the day. And she tries a bunch of different ways and it doesn't work. And there's a little bit of romance mixed in because Carter's kind of like the nerdy guy and she's like the popular sorority girl. And she, at the beginning, is dismissing him. And then she's starting to become friends with him because he's going to help her. Um, it's not too scary. I was able to watch it with my son probably a year or so ago. So he was like 12 and he's not one for scary stuff. So this was funny enough and, you know, not terrifying that he, he was able to watch it with me. And there wasn't anything like R rated, you know, too much that I would have had to, cause sometimes, you know, you get random boobs in the horror movie, right? <laughs> especially if it's a seventies or eighties movies, it was like a requirement that boobs yes. be present. <laughs> Well, and this sounds like one that I could probably watch. I have seen Scream. I saw, I think, the sequel to it and everything. Mm-hmm. I actually saw Scream in a drive-in because the town I went to college in in Oklahoma, we still had a drive-in. And I saw it with my roommate and the guy she was dating. And so picture all three of us sitting in the front seat of a truck, mm-hmm. you know, on like a bench seat. And y'all think I'm a chicken. <laughs> she screamed and kicked me the whole time. Like she was like, she was running from the murderer. I was bruised. It was quite traumatic. Yeah. The opening scene of scream is one of the best executed opening scenes of any horror movie. I actually talk about it. I think in my book, what if you and me of like my heroine describes why it is. So if you're curious, but um, Dawn, I think you could watch this one and enjoy it. The only thing, if you could watch scream, you could watch this because the killer has like a kind of creepy mask thing going Mm -hmm. That's the only really like kind of scary um, part that you might not like, but yeah, it's, it's funny enough, I think to get, 
get through your, your barriers. But my next one, Dawn's not allowed to watch. No. Next one is the strangers. This is not a new movie. Um, I don't even remember what year it came out, but it's been a little while and it's Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman. That's Scott Speedman is who played Ben and Felicity. So hot guy is present in case that matters to you in a movie. Um, but they play Kristen and James and they're a couple that's going to stay at his family's summer home in like this secluded area. First of all, you know, you're in a horror movie when we're going to go stay in a house in a secluded area at night. Um, so run, run. Um, but they're, they get there and they're kind of bickering with each other. And then around 4am, there's a knock at the door and they open the door and there's kind of a woman that you can't see her face. And she asks, is Tamara there? And they're like, well, you have the wrong house. So they just kind of dismiss it as somebody, you know, at the wrong place. And he leaves to go get cigarettes. Here's where we would also pause. And Ronnie would be like, you leave me and we're getting, you know, we're breaking up because there's some creepy person outside and you're not leaving me to go get cigarettes. But anyway, he leaves and Liv Tyler's character is going, you know, around the house and the girl knocks again. Liv doesn't answer the door, but she kind of talks through the door. She asks for Tamara again, but Liv then sees things that look like they've been moved or, you know, different in the house. And you as the watcher are seeing that somebody's possibly in the house. So that's kind of the setup for the story. The Scott Speedman's character comes back and they're in this house together and these strangers are trying to get to them and you don't know why. And it is terrifying, you guys. So <laughs> I am not easily scared, but even having seen this movie many, many times, if my husband's out of town and I live kind of in a small town country area, so outside my windows is dark at night, I would not be able to watch this by myself. Um, even with him home, I'd probably be a little nervous. So if you're any kind of scared, um, definitely watch this only with friends or don't watch it at all. But it's got one of the best lines and I'm not going to give away the line because it's a spoiler, but it's this, one of the scariest lines to me in a horror movie because they ask, why are they doing this? And the answer to that is, is very scary. So if you want to discuss it with me after <laughs> come to the Facebook group and we'll have a spoiler discussion. Um, but it's a really, really chilling line and it's strangers outside your house. It could happen to anybody. Right. So it's that whole like supernatural doesn't scare me as much because I can talk myself out of that, but this could really happen. So those are the scariest to me. Well, and I have to say my 19 year old daughter is very into horror and her and her best friend. That's what they do together is they'll watch these horror movies and that kind of thing. And she watched this very recently and came home from staying the night with her friend. and was like, yeah, that was one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. She's like, you, you can't watch it mom ever. And which no problem. My (laughs) kids do keep trying to get me to watch the new version of it because they keep trying to tell me it's funny. Mm-hmm. they're like it's funny you and I'm like no no I'm not stupid but to hear her say this is one of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen oh no no I'm not watching it ever yeah and I think what's really cool about it is that it's not very high tech like it's a very simple kind of plot it's very it's it's beautifully shot you know the movie itself but like it's not a bunch of special effects and all that it's just straight up scary for you know the concept all right so next i have um it's called it follows so we have another it in the title but this is supernatural psychological horror and i'll just from amazon to give you the description because they can say it better than i can but for 19 year old jay fall should be about school boys and weekends out at the lake 
that after a seemingly innocent sexual encounter, she finds herself plagued by strange visions and the inescapable sense that someone or something is following her. Faced with this burden, Jay and her teenage friends must find a way to escape the horrors that seem to be only a few steps behind. So to me, this movie plays on the idea of what if the STD you picked up for that one night stand was a murderous entity that followed you (laughs) and wanted to kill you? It's always don't have sex in horror movies. That's always, if you have sex, bad things are going to happen to you. Right, right. And the interesting thing about this one is, okay, so this creepy thing that's following, following you can take on any form of any person. So it might look like your teacher. It might look like your sister. It might look like a creepy naked person. Um, but they follow you no matter where you go. It's like a curse, but you can pass it on by having sex with somebody else. And then they have the curse and that thing doesn't follow you anymore. So you have to go and put somebody else in danger in order to save yourself. Um, what I liked about this movie, first of all, I think the concept is really interesting, but it had a cool like visual style. So if you even look at the movie poster, like online, it has that kind of like Instagrammy kind of color. I don't know. It just was cool but they put retro things and futuristic things in it so that you couldn't place it in time. So I only found this out after, cause I was, they have um, one of the girls uses like a seashell phone. It looks like a, a makeup compact and she opens it up and there's like a screen in there. So this was before, I think it was before iPhones possibly, but I remember watching it thinking, where can I get one of those? That looks really cool. And then I looked it up and it, it doesn't exist. So they put something futuristic in it, but then they would have like a 1970s looking car or something. So you couldn't figure out what time it was. And I thought it was just kind of a cool um, thing to do. But if you like a horror movie where the terror is very slow moving, like the thing that's following them isn't fast, but it's <laughs> unrelenting. So it's yeah. the turtle of dangerous entity, <laughs> right? You look behind you and they're just still there walking slowly <laughs> towards you. And if they catch you, it's going to go down, but you know, <laughs> so if you want to try that one, it's called, it follows. Um, and then my last movie recommendation, this is a shout out to my mom's, one of my mom's favorites. It's the Babadook. So I think I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> um, but it's a female directed horror, which I, if you can find female directed horror, they usually have really interesting, different takes, um, than your mm-hmm. normal, like slasher guy directed movies, but it's by Jennifer Kent was the director. Um, and summary is um, Amelia is troubled and exhausted widow has brought up her six-year-old son, Samuel alone. So her husband was killed in a car accident on the way to her giving birth to their son. So huge tragedy in her life. Um, and then Sam, her son begins displaying erratic behavior. So he becomes an insomniac. He's preoccupied with an imaginary monster against which he starts building like all these weapons to fight this imaginary monster. And he brings them to school. And so she's forced to pick him up because he's gotten in trouble that he has these like dangerous weapons at school and it's making her look like a bad mother. So he's not sleeping. I I think the way it portrayed motherhood was really accurate of how it can be kind of a horror show of like your kids not sleeping and they're Mm -hmm. intense and they're scared of something you can't help. And you're all on your own trying to do this. Um, So they really set that up well. And then, so she takes her son out of school And one night he asked her to read a pop-up storybook called Mr. Babadook. And it describes this monster, obviously called the Babadook. And he's a tall, pale-faced humanoid is how he's described in a top hat with talon fingers. Dawn's already scared. (laughs) I'm already like, I'm out. (laughs) 
Yeah. So imagine like the tall man, you know, with top hat. I think the top hat is what threw yeah. me off, pushed me over the edge. Yeah. And this monster torments its victims after they become aware of its existence. So once you know him, he's going to torment you. Um, so the mom's disturbed by the book and it's how did it come into their life? She doesn't know where this book came from. And Sam becomes convinced that the Babadook's real. So soon after strange events, you know, of course, start to occur and doors are opening and closing mysteriously by themselves and strange sounds start happening. And Amelia finds like glass shards in her food. And she thinks it's Sam's behavior because Sam's having these psychological problems. So she thinks her kid is doing this like to do dangerous things to her. And he's blaming the Babadook. He's like, no, I'm not doing this to you. It's the Babadook. And she's like, stop saying this. It's you doing it. You know? So she thinks he's like psychologically breaking down. But the reason why this movie is so brilliant to me is it's got so many layers. This is a portrayal of grief. You can't escape grief. And once you know it, it's always Mm -hmm. there. So the Babadook in my interpretation, and I'm assuming it's, you know, what was supposed to be interpreted, but is grief and being alone as a mother and having to deal with this big monstrous grief that you can't escape. That's taking over you and your son. Um, So I thought the layers to that were great. And it's just, it's a really well done movie. I think it's set in Australia. So everybody has the nice Australian accents, but yeah, if you're looking for something different, um, Dawn can't watch it, but no, you can watch it. If you're listening to Monty scared called the Babadook. And if you show up around me with the top hat, I'm going the other way. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was creepy. It definitely pulled off creepy. So, but I love when there's like emotional layers to horror movies because so often they're just like, slash and burn, you know, just like yes. scary, scary for the sake of scary. Um, and I do have my limits. So Dom was talking about how the exorcist, you know, scarred her. My scar was hostile. So any of the, like the movies like saw, you know, and however many saws they've had since then, I can't do torture. So anything where people are getting body parts cut off any kind of, I think what's called body horror is not my jam and hostile. Mm-hmm. I wanted to leave the theater. It was so just viscerally terrifying to me the torture I can't even think about it so there are I do have a limit and I can't get scared to a point where I don't want to watch it and that is my limit so y'all don't send me any of the torture movies as recommendations I'm not not here for it but in anything with bugs uh, hard line at the bugs please no spiders crawling over people's faces and stuff yeah mm -mm. so all right that's my movie recommendations we have tv now so Dawn is going to have some light TV stuff for us and I'll quickly go through mine. Since I've talked a lot about vampires, if you want vampires, you can go to True Blood, which I think Dawn, you should go watch. It's grown up. It's kind of sexy, scary rated R vampires. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I know I've mentioned her before, but if you want something fun, but also with a lot of action and kind of that almost like a superhero quality. I mean, Buffy is pretty much like a superhero, um, seven seasons and it's, it's a great binge watch. And then the Vampire Diaries, if you prefer your vampires teen and moody, (laughs) you know, if you kind of want more of that Twilight vibe, if you want love triangles, that kind of thing, go to the Vampire Diaries and they actually have more layered plots than you would expect. It is based on books. So I don't know if I read the books back in the day or not, because they've been around for a while. It's LJ Smith, I think is the author of that one. Um, But the show itself was really good. And Ian Ian Summerhalder's in it. He's really Mm -hmm. hot. Um, Mm -hmm they're, you know, they're pretty people to look at. So, but I was really impressed actually by the plots of those. They weren't as fluffy as I would have expected maybe for a teen show. 
And then if you want horror comedy, so if you liked kind of the scream thing, Scream Queens was only around, I think, for a season and a half before it got canceled, but it's set in a sorority. It's created by Ryan Murphy, who did like Glee. So if you like that kind of humor and kind of, you know, kitschy style, um, it has Jamie Lee Curtis in it, which is always a win, especially if you're a horror movie fan. And just a fun, I think the second season I didn't love as much, but the first season by itself is a great binge watch. And then I think Dawn, you had one for us. I did actually. I was so excited when I actually realized I do have one that technically is horror and that is Stranger Things. Mm -hmm. And I loved getting into, now don't get me wrong. There were some parts where I was, I was not okay. But (laughs) um, getting into just that 80s vibe of Stranger Things and remembering what it was like to be a kid there. And there's this one great scene in Stranger Things that I think just sums up the 80s completely. And that is where one of the kids goes to the other kid's house and rings the doorbell and the dad answers the door and he's like, hey, where is, um, I think it's Mike. And the dad yells to the to his wife, you know, is Mike home? And she's like, no, he's wherever. And then he asks for the older sister and he yells to the wife and the wife's like, no, she went off to wherever. And the dad looks at the kid and says, evidently my children don't live here anymore. <laughs> and that is absolutely the eighties in a nutshell right there is nobody knew where we were or what we were right. doing. Um, I was not all fighting monsters as we know, right. but stranger things, I felt like it was a good level for me of just enough that I was a little creeped out, but enough that I also could sleep at night. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Stranger Things is like Stephen King meets Steven Spielberg and it pushes all those 80s E.T. you know, kind of vibes, but also some horror in it. Yeah, I love Stranger Things too. Um, And then my last one for TV was, I already mentioned it, but if you want to pull for a serial killer and kind of love him a little bit, you can watch You. There's three seasons now. Um, Great binge watch. And Dawn, you had some other TV, one other TV or two for us. Oh, um, well, my other TV was, my my original TV suggestion was going to be It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, <laughs> because that is totally my level right there. And I will still watch it. So, and it's coming on this year. Evidently, they didn't show it last year. I don't know. There's been some kind of controversy with it. I keep seeing it on so- social media. So yes, I like those old kind of sweet type things, but something that's new and that, well, it's not, not actually new, but something that we, my family has recently latched onto that's fun is the TV show community. Mm-hmm. And they have, if you don't know about community, it is about a community college and it's very well done, but they have Halloween episodes and the Halloween episodes are hilarious. So there's times when I'll be like, okay, let's just watch the Halloween episodes. Yeah. And I'll give a quick shout out just for your horror people out there. If you're not um, subscribed to Shudder, which is a streaming channel, Dawn has in our notes. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> She's not subscribed. <laughs> but Shudder has, it has some mainstream movies that you'll have heard of, but it has a lot of like the obscure horror movies and they divide them into really cool categories. And they also have channels where you can just like turn on the, I think psychological or the slasher channel. And like, it's just playing movies all day, like old TV stations used to do. And so sometimes I'll just put it on because you'll find some like really random seventies horror movie that you kind of get caught up in. So if you're a horror fan, it is worth um, subscribing to shutter. I've been subscribing for a couple of years now and I really, you know, I don't always use it, but when I'm in the mood for horror, I know where I can go. 
And then we had some podcasts, um, if you're into horror books and, you know, cause we are doing this episode today, but in general, we're not recommending a ton of horror. So if you're looking for more recommendations, I listen to books in the freezer, which I love the title of this podcast, because what that means is they rate the books on horror levels and a book in the freezer is their highest level. So it's so scary that you have to put it in the freezer to keep yourself safe. <laughs> so they'll have like room temperature. I think fridge is a level and then in the freezer. So, if, and I get really good recommendations from that podcast. Um, there's the horror virgin, which is, I think it's two people, but one is like Dawn doesn't watch horror, but there are the other person is, you know, kind of guiding them through and their reactions to different movies that they've never seen. So that can be funny. And then if you want some true crime, obviously the OG on the true crime is serial. If you haven't listened to that and you're into true crime, go now and do that. The first season, the other seasons I haven't fully listened to, but, um, and then Dawn had mentioned earlier that she likes watching disappeared the Mm -hmm. TV show about people's disappearances. I actually don't watch the show, but I follow a podcast called obsessed with disappeared which they go through each episode of disappeared and comment on it. And it's true crime and comedy, which doesn't sound like it should work together, but it totally does. Um, they're really funny together, the two hosts. And so if you you know want to hear the recaps and all of that, it's a fun one to listen to. So those are my podcast recommendations. Dawn, do you listen to any true crime or anything, any podcasts? Well, I think the obsessed with true, or I'm sorry, obsessed with disappeared. Isn't that an offshoot of true crime obsessed? Yes. Yes, it is. So I highly recommend true crime obsessed. It is the comedy and the true crime, which again, doesn't sound like it goes together, but it seems like you're sitting there with your friends and some of it is very sad because they do, they cover documentaries. Mm-hmm. And so some of the documentaries about the true crimes, when they're talking about it, you can tell the comedy is just to release the tension. But then they also cover some of these documentaries that the stories are just so crazy that they're, you can't help but laugh. So yes, I, rec- I strongly recommend True Crime Obsessed. Yes. And, and I second that one because that's where I found Obsessed with Disappear was I was a True Crime Obsessed fan. Um, before that so yeah very funny but also they take the the crime seriously so I feel like they don't minimize it but they just they use the humor usually they're making fun of the killer or they're making fun of mistakes you know the cops made or something like that Um, and it's in a way that's respectful in my opinion so all right we made it through Dawn hasn't run out of her chair no I'm still here (laughs) and thank you so much for listening if you're still here because we know this is going to be a longer than normal episode we did cut it down from the original like six hours (laughs) (laughs) yeah I had to save something for next year's Halloween episode so I had to hold some back but even though we've recommended a lot, we do always at the end of our episodes do our rad reading recs of the week. If you're just listening to us for the first time, this means our top choices of books we love and we want to put on our main list of recommendations um, that we wholeheartedly want to pass along to you. So Dawn, what is your rad reading rec this week? Mine is Standoff by Sandra Brown and it's an older book. It's from 2001. And in so, some of that shows up, like mm-hmm. some of it doesn't quite hold up as well. And it's a pretty quick read, but it is about a TV reporter who is on her way to some other story. And she hears on the radio about how a millionaire's daughter in Fort Worth has been kidnapped by her boyfriend. And so her 
producer, I guess, is talking to her and is like, hey, we want you to cover the story, start heading to Texas, get there. So she's driving and she stops at a gas station, goes in to get a snack. And while she's there, the gas station gets robbed by the millionaire's daughter and her boyfriend. And so that's one of those, you have to let go of the coincidence. You know, you have to let go of the, okay, really out of the entire state of Texas. But you also find out that, of course, nothing is as it seems. And the story takes place of while they are in this closed room of this gas station because the robbery turns into a standoff. The girlfriend is pregnant and bad things ensue. Mm-hmm. So we're recommending a couple of locked door kind of, what you call locked door mystery, locked door thriller. So mine is similar in that aspect, just on a different scale, instead of getting caught in a convenience store, you're caught in a zoo. <laughs> so my recommendation is Fierce Kingdom by Jen Phillips. This one is intense, y'all. It's similar to No Exit, which I recommended at the start of this episode, where it's like page turnery all happens within a few hours, like very intense thriller. But the setup is a mom's heading out of the zoo with her four-year-old near closing time, and she sees a mass shooter. So she runs back into the zoo. And then the book takes place over three hours as she tries to elude the killer and keep her son safe. So it's labeled a thriller, but it read like a horror movie to me. So it had some literary quality to it It had beautiful descriptions like of a mother's love and how powerful that can be, how fierce a mom can be to protect her child. And it's a great setting. Who would have thought of a setting of an empty zoo? The animals are still there. You guys like the people go home, but there's still like lions and tigers and bears. (laughs) Oh my, right. So there's winding paths. Think of your nearby zoo. It's got lots of foliage, your dark corners and like, just, it's like a jungle, right? So she's hiding in all these places and there may be animals nearby and she may be, you know, in the habitats and there's this mass shooter that she's got to, you know, avoid. So I read this in one sitting. It was really, really, really intense, but it read like a horror movie to me, I think, because it's not like, you're not trying to find out who the killer is. You're not, it's just like survive. Your goal is to survive and keep this person safe. And to me that that's more of a horror setup, but I think Dawn, you would like this one. I would recommend this one to you. It's not, it's definitely got thriller fear. It's not horror movie, scary monster fear. So yes, I'm kind of fascinated by this one because we're very close to the Fort Worth zoo, which is my happy place on earth. Like Mm -hmm. that's my My kids have grown up at that zoo. That is one of my favorite places in the world. And so the idea of bad things happening there and being trapped there, I I don't like that. Right. But I would definitely check this out. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine being like in the penguin habitat and it's dark, you know, like just, I don't know. It was such a good setting. Like the writer in me was jealous of like, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) (laughs) That setting, but All right, you guys, that's our, all of our recommendations. Thanks for sticking with us to the end. We really appreciate it. If you're still here, um, if you love our podcast, we would love for you to subscribe. We'd love for you to leave us a review because that's how other people find us on Apple podcasts. That's how you get kind of voted up or, you know, seen on searches. So if you have love in your heart for us, (laughs) go give us a review. Well, and you don't even have to use words. You can just click stars. Yeah, there you go. So super easy. Um, and We do have a Facebook page. If you'd love, you know, we'd love to hear from you. If you want to come and share your favorite Halloween reads, whether they're horror or Scooby-Doo level, um, we're here for it. So come give us your recommendations and then you can find us all over the internet if you want to come and talk to us. So 
me and Don are both on Instagram. I'm at Ronnie Lauren and you're at Don Alexander books. Correct. Yes. Yes. So you can come see our pictures and different things. Dawn has made a video about before this episode <laughs> and she was heading over here and mad at me about the title that I've given to this episode. But so come talk to us because we're here talking to you guys, but we don't know if you're listening. So we love to, you know, it's not like when you were doing YouTube and stuff, it's a little different. So we, we need to know you're out there. Let us know. Yes. Let us just pop by and say hi. And tomorrow I will be posting pictures of me and my husband in our Halloween outfits. Nice. Which nice. are not scary. I mean, right. well, <laughs> depends on your level of scary, but not scary at all. So we would love to see your Halloween outfits too. And I hope you have a happy Halloween. Yes. And until next time, we hope every book you pick up is rad reading. Thanks you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.